The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The first thing I want to talk about now um, needs a little explaining. So if you bear with me, it's on foot of research carried out and published by King's College London. About a week ago it was published, so it went largely under the radar here. And what they did is they compared the attitudes of young men and women today with regards to different issues to the attitudes of earlier generations. And what they found at first was a predictable pattern. So Generation X, they follow the post-war baby boomer generation. They're more progressive and more liberal than their parents or grandparents. Right, that pattern holds up for millennials. They're more progressive, more liberal than Generation X. And then we get to Generation Z. This is today's teenagers, basically. So the pattern holds up for teenage girls, actually. Teenage girls are more liberal and more progressive than the previous generation, but not so for teenage boys. The arrow for them suddenly points in the other other direction. So teenage boys are much more likely to hold views that would be described as traditional or conservative views. For example... Uh, teenage boys have a more negative attitude to feminism than men over 60. So basically, Generation Z is two different generations, boys and girls with separate attitudes. And this, according to some analysis of the survey, is why young men are drawn to the likes of, say, Andrew Tate, the man we talked about earlier in the show, uh, who kind of brags about being a misogynist and talks about choking and hitting women, or to Jordan Peterson, who talks up Andrew Tate and talks up the need for young men to be kind of forthright and aggressive. And uh, these fellas might seem like buffoons to some of us, but they're wildly popular with a lot of young men. Not all. I mean, we're not talking about every single young man here, but certainly this is the trend. And the question we're asking today is why? And have you noticed it? And what do we do about it? And here to discuss is... Dermot Ling, former Wexford hurler, owner of Wild Retreats as well, and Holly Carpenter, the social media content creator. Um, you're both very, very welcome. Um, Holly, I might start with you. I mean, is this something that you have seen? I mean, not necessarily maybe your peer group. Maybe you've got kind of younger teenage boys who you know, maybe they're younger brothers or nephews, and you see a kind of a divergence in attitude. Um, with young I, me- women. Yeah. I think like in a way I wasn't really surprised to read that article because I feel like these young men are so bombarded by content from the likes of Andrew Tate um, and obviously their lives are so glamorised. They see them with sports cars, beautiful women um, and, you know, TikTok, Instagram, it's all, you know, it's all in their hand, in their phone all the time. So I, it is disappointing and quite scary. Um, but I wouldn't know that many teenage boys. Um, but I have a friend who is a secondary school teacher and she did a project with them recently and she wanted them to do a piece on their heroes. And more than five of them in the class of about 25 came back with saying Andrew Tate was their hero. And she was... 20% of the class. Yeah. And I was kind of like, okay, that's scary. And they were just like, he's a legend. He's so cool. He's really rich and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, when you actually look at the things he's said, um, they're so damaging and terrifying. And I don't know, like you said, he glamorizes misogyny and he doesn't, you know, he kind of thinks, he says that like any woman who's not a virgin is secondhand and women that are aged 18 to 19 are better and all these kind of outrageous things that... When, you know, at this age that I'm at now, I kind of go, Usher, no one's actually going to believe the stuff he's saying, but these mm. kids are so impressionable. And um, so it is quite scary. And is it is it just that there's a natural tendency to kind of 
react against your parents or grandparents or kind Ooh. of to, to, to do things that annoy them. You know what I mean? The, kind of the rock and roll example of, you know, I would play this music yeah. as loud as I can uh, to drive mum and dad mad kind of 50 years ago. Uh, uh, but that this is just a particularly toxic iteration of it, is it? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think that he's kind of almost just got these diehard fans. And when you actually look at his uh, comment section, I don't know, is he back on TikTok? I know he was barred from TikTok, but I remember looking at the comment section and the all of his fans were so young. And I don't know what he what age he is. He must be nearly 40 by now. But like if all of your fans are 15 year old boys, are you really talking that much sense? Like, do you know what I mean? I don't know any man who's like the same age as me that would say that they have faith in the things he said. And it would be a massive red flag if anyone I knew was in support of the things he said. But maybe, like you said, it is just people kind of rebelling against their parents and just, you know, seeing him as as, as this really cool person. Uh, Dermot, uh, do you put it down to that? It's just kind of, it's young people rebelling. I guess that mightn't explain though why men and women are divergent. You know, women would rebel against their parents in previous generations. So why are they rebelling in a different way in this generation? Is it is it something else? Is it men having a less clear, young men having a less clear kind of role of, of or, or a less clear sense of what their role might be in the future? What do you think it is? I think it's interesting around the idea of it making sense. Like, I don't know, is it supposed to make sense to some socially agreed contract that we all have as to how we're supposed to behave in in civic society? Like, there's also, I suppose, what's going on for young fellas or what's going on in men, in young men who are forming, who are forming their attitudes and forming how they see the world. And that's that that operates totally independent of what the social contract is very often. And because of that, I think Andrew Tate is appealing to a part that is a part of young men. Like it is something inside of us that when we hear it, it sets up some form of resonance where we think, OK, I can actually I can handle that. I can stomach that better than I can to be, for example, you know, maybe the antithesis to what Andrew Tate is is saying, you know, that you wouldn't be capable of violence or that you wouldn't be capable of physicality or that you wouldn't be capable of going out into the world and getting whatever it is you want. Their inability to see the fact that, you know, that ultimately his social contract is around what what I would term, I suppose, to be a pimp. Like that's 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 I think most basically what um, what he comes down to. The fact that they're blind of that shows a kind of a blind allegiance to to, to that whatever it has set up in them based on what he is saying, and I think that that's. Um, it's it's understandable because what we need to look for, I suppose, is alternatives. And we have to wonder, well, where are the alternatives? And if you have like it's hard, it's it's hard for me, Kieran, I suppose I see things very much in terms of the archetypes. Like that's just how I understand it. I don't want to go into necessarily, um, you know, complex issues of the mind or anything like that. But when I see it in the archetypes, when you see the king in us, that which is most capable of being fair and brilliant and understanding and and vulnerable to you know to the knowledge that our own story is always vulnerable that's our king and he's able to get his that his part of himself in the world what he's what Andrew Tate seems to be appealing to in in younger adults is that the part of us that can become a tyrant the part of us that is that acts out and that wants control and that wants to dominate and mm. that part of us doesn't want to do the what I would term I suppose the more feminine or the more inner work of understanding that the world you are vulnerable in the world. Your story is always vulnerable in the world. And he's trying to show to them that, no, you don't have to embrace that at all. And that's highly, 
highly that's a highly addictive idea because there's hard work in doing it and i don't think society, our current society isn't really following the model of saying well here is some of the more of the older wisdom we have on how to fully okay. embrace so, being a man so is it like is he filling a vacuum that's there or or is it that he's providing an a simpler alternative I think both. I would say, like, I think it's very difficult in any of these things um, to be to, to, to be one hundred percent certain, yeah. particularly with language. But like, I would say, I would say very much both. Um, I think that we are told growing up that if we do as we're told, um, you know, if we go to college, if we get this job, if we, you know, do what, do, just do what you're told by society, um, you'll be fine. And often there are parts of people, particularly when it comes to struggle, that are totally and utterly unmet and unknown. And I think that is the lack of what you would call, you know, and wisdom keepers of some sort, like of older men who are really nurturing younger men into becoming good men. I don't think those mechanisms are quite there. And yeah. so that leaves young men to be kind of, well, OK, well, where do I go? And and, and I, I want them and I, I wanted them. And you can say it's the role of your father. And I was very lucky to get that from my own father. But it's not just the role of the father, it's the role of the society. And I think that this is happening in a vacuum for sure. And I don't, I think it's it's silly to be just critical of Andrew Tate and say, what's wrong with the youngsters? Yeah. I mean, Jeannie, how, how often are we going to do that here? You know? <laughs> I know. There's a text saying, I'm a middle-aged man and I've dipped my toe in the Peterson-Tate media out of curiosity it is insidious nonsense and it isn't based in the real world. It reminds me a little of young girls looking at supermodels on a runway. Both offer glamorous lifestyles that aren't actually realistic. The only solution is good role modelling from parents and peers. Holly, to what extent is there a role for parents then to to deal with, the, I guess, the, the kind of the two issues that Dermot talked about, the vacuum maybe in terms of... Um, kind of providing guidance and providing a sense of of what it means or what healthy masculinity is as a counterpoint to toxic masculinity. Yeah, I mean, I don't have kids myself, but I would imagine that, you know, for most young children, like where you learn about relationships and everything is at home. You see how your dad speaks to your mum, how your mum speaks to your dad. And I think if you're growing up in a home where the dad is making sexist remarks or jokes or, you know, they're kind of you know, obviously that's going to have a lasting impact. And I think that it's it's something that needs to be looked at because I agree that um, you shouldn't just be scolding these young guys for looking up, at, up to Andrew Tate. And they obviously are craving having a role model in that position, but it's just about guiding them because they're so young and vulnerable that they don't really know. Um, so it is a hard one, but I think it's something that should definitely be taken seriously because there are people who are kind of mocking him and everything. But if these teenagers are growing up looking, up, looking up to him and then eventually they're going to be in the workforce, they're going to be in an environment where maybe they've been in an all boys primary school, an all boys secondary school in a big lads group in college and then they're in the workplace and they've got a female boss. How's that going to land? Yeah, a, a switch is not going to flick in their no. mind one day and, <laughs> and, and, and suddenly have kind of an egalitarian view of the world. Um, I, I wonder, Dermot, um like to an extent, do do we have it the wrong way around? Possibly we don't, but it, it's is Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson. We're talking them about kind of uh, about them as symptoms of a problem to a degree because of algorithms and everything else, and because of how much teenagers live their life on their phone. Are, are they also the cause of, as well as being the symptom of the problem? Does that make sense? It does. It makes perfect sense. Um, there's a couple of things in that, Kieran. Definitely in, in your opening, that was, one, I think maybe in your opening question to Holly, that's one of the things I was thinking about. We, we were talking more in relation to because of the algorithm, but actually, are they creating it or, or, or are they the result of 
Um, I suppose, yeah, hard to measure that one. There, there are two parts of the same. The problem exists. It doesn't really matter which one it is, I suppose. Yeah, which came um, first, chicken I, or the egg? I, yeah, yeah. I, I suppose I would be inclined. Now, it's a very dangerous line in, 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 in Irish life. Like, I know I know plenty of people, very good men, very, very good men, um, who I would consider to be good men anyway, who, who would have gone to see Jordan Peterson when he was in Ireland um, last year, a couple of years ago. And they were they were at best private about it. I mean, they weren't sharing anything. They weren't telling anybody. They were, they were quite, you know, they, they, they were hiding the fact. But that tells me, like, you know, they can't speak about it socially. And yet they do want to hear what he has to say. And I would be, I would be encouraging of people. Now I'm not on here to defend Jordan Peterson, far from it, but I would not lump Jordan Peterson into the same category as Andrew Tate. I think you're talking about two exceptionally different characters. They may garner the support of young men, but I mm. think in fairness to Peterson, from what I've from what I've read and from what I've looked at. In fairness to Peterson, what his actions are are very different to the actions of Tate. As I said, it, it's it's a difficult line in Irish life because it seems like you're apologetic for him. I'm in an area where I'm working with men all of the time and I'm working with young men. So I, I have to be very careful with that. But I would be, I, I, I wouldn't lump them in. In my view of what I've read of both of them, there's, they're, they're, they're very, very far apart in terms of what they're teaching, um, particularly young men. You know, I think one is taking advantage and one seems to have, even though it's an unpalatable, it, it is an unpalatable idea, mm. Kieran. And we've spoken about this before on the show. I mean, we're talking about why aren't young men experiencing enough risk in growing up? Why are we madly coddling young men and why are we then giving them a car at 17 and saying, now go and risk, go and risk it all and risk somebody else's as well? Like, we're very bad at, at, at giving out risk. And yeah. what, so, so, then, so then we're coming to when somebody like Jordan Peterson comes along and says, you know, now, now the line is a harsh line and it's hard to digest. He's saying to be a monster. To be able to be a monster is to be able to choose not to be. And which is essentially what he's talking about is a degree of confidence to know that you're not in your weakling. You're not being a weakling where you're afraid of the world coming at you and you respond to the world with fear. What he's saying is you're coming to the world with a degree of confidence that you know you can go hard. Yeah. That, or that, you know, at least if you know you can. I mean, you've, you've played on yeah. the field. like You know the fellas you can dominate very quickly. You know, you know the lads who can't go there versus yeah. the lads who the, you know the, if you the, go the, there, you're going to... The antidote, like. the antidote to Andrew Tate is Jordan Peterson, says one listener who is in agreement with uh, Dermot Holly. I don't know. I think to say that they're miles apart, I don't know if that's fair. Like, I think there are a lot of similarities there. And I think Andrew Tate has said some really outland outlandish and damaging things. And Peterson has defended him in ways as well, as far as I can see from what I've looked at, because I've kind of gone down the rabbit hole even b long before uh, this discussion, just because I do find it interesting. And I know it's not a black and white thing and we can't tell people who to look up to. We can't tell people who to respect. But there is a line where you kind of go, "That's there's good and bad eggs in this world. And some of the stuff Andrew Tate has said, you can't defend it. Listen, it's fascinating. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, we're, I, we're, we're out of time, dear. But I wish we could keep talking. I really do. I kind of find it fascinating and listeners do as well. The texts are flying in uh, on it. Uh, kind of people in agreement and disagreement with different points made. People with their own interesting views as well. And I promise I'll make some time for those texts because they really are uh, worth reading. Um, Holly Carpenter, thank you very much for joining us. Holly's a social media content creator. Dear Midling, uh, the former Wexford hurler and the owner of uh, Wild Irish Retreats. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.